Welcome back, everyone. More than numbers, Enneagram for business. We have a da 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 da. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> I got it. Shut up, Gavin. I got foregone, it. And then it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to be great. So don't say how great they are. Just be excited. I know, I know, I know. That's why I stopped because I was like, I don't like the way that sounds. This better not show up at the beginning of the podcast again. Today, we have an entrepreneur who started not one, but two businesses in 2020 amidst the pandemic and COVID. And we are going to get to know her story while also helping her to identify her Enneagram type. So the first 30 minutes, we will hear her story. And the back half, the last 30 minutes, we will dive into finding her Enneagram type. She struggled between a type seven and a type one, but we are going to help her identify her dominant type. Thank you for joining us, Victoria. I'm so excited to meet you, uh, get to know your story, and then also hear your feedback on the Enneagram. You just took our assessment and experienced it. Had Have you ever experienced the Enneagram before? I had not. I've done like so many different personality tests, like just throughout my corporate career. Um, and some of them have not been so aligned. And then there's been other ones like the disc that I was like blown away by. Um, this one was spot on and it was kind of just like, Ooh, hit me. <laughs> <laughs> That's common. It hits a lot of the dark spots for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> one of our, our recent episodes was a uh, coach and mentor of mine. He coaches with the disc. So we dove into how the disc and the Enneagram can be used together. But what were some of your first impressions being a professional and having experienced some other assessments? What were your first impressions of the Enneagram? Um, it's honestly really easy to go through. Like the questions are set in a way where you don't have to think too much. They're just pretty straightforward. And as long as you have a good understanding of yourself, you can get through it pretty quickly. So, I mean, I think the entire thing might've taken me like seven to 10 minutes to complete because I just flew right through it. But then that also, I think allows you to get a really accurate reading because yes. you know yourself, you're not thinking too deep into the questions. Like, what do they mean by this? You know, once, once you get, you get your results, you're like, Ooh, like this thing really does know me. Like it knows yes. me well. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to get into finding your Enneagram type. We're going to confirm your type. You scored highest as a one, but type seven was right behind that. But before yeah. we get into your Enneagram, tell us about what you do, uh, your career as an entrepreneur and, and how you got started. Yeah, so um, I started off my career actually after college as a um, in corporate finance, as a financial analyst, a junior financial analyst. And um, I was, I'm not going to like name drop with companies, <laughs> but I was with that company for just under three years. And then we came in in hiring classes, we left in firing classes. So I was devastated. I thought for sure I would be there forever. But lo and behold, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And I ended up um, registering with a staffing agency. And then I got put in front of a position for what was called a business manager. And so that was my first kind of introduction to business administration. So it wasn't aligned with being with like corporate finance the way that I used to do, but instead, um, it was like a three-part role. So I was an executive assistant, I was an office manager, and then I um, also did a little bit of the financials, but for the departmental level. 
And then I realized, you know what? I really love this. Like I love business administration. I love the variety in my day. It's not the same weekly, monthly, daily, quarterly reports. You know, it's more challenging and it allows me to arrive in more of like an independent contributor role. And so eventually I left New Jersey where I'm originally from and I relocated here to San Diego and I stayed in that kind of executive assistant role. And so I've had a number of different corporate executive assistant roles supporting CEOs, CFOs, presidents of multi-billion dollar Fortune 500 companies. And then COVID hit and I was, you know, without my six-figure income anymore. (laughs) feeling really sorry for myself, doing a lot of soul searching, you know, trying to tap into what's God's purpose and, you know, plan for my life. And I said, you know what, you have this amazing skill set that you've built over a number of years, you know, 10 plus years, you have a business degree, like become an entrepreneur. And Mm -hmm. so that was the birth of Executives Extension, which is a white glove executive support service. Um, pretty much virtual assistant, but allows for the boots on the ground when necessary to high profile clients. So we're talking celebrities, athletes, you know, small business owners, entrepreneurs, just high net worth individuals. Um, There is a number of virtual assistants that are out there in the world, but they're mainly like overseas and there's language barriers and time difference and time differences with the different time zones. So this is that white glove support. So how long has executives extensions, the entrepreneur's greatest asset? I'm reading that sign behind you. That's a great Sorry. tagline. <laughs> so how, how old is executive extensions now? Um, so it was born in July, the very end of July. So really we've been oper- in operation since August of 2020. So it hasn't even been a full year. Um, I launched and I got the idea and probably about a month later, it was it was full blown. I already yes. wow. had my first client on board and um, the logo was made. The website was done. So, I mean, when I get an idea, I run with it. Keanu loves I, that. Thank you. <laughs> I actually simultaneously launched a second company. So um, there's a company called Virtual Victorias, which is kind of a spinoff off of Executives Extension. And that was born in, so we launched on January 1st, 2021. And I started creating that in the beginning of November. So I did it in two months. That was that one took a little bit longer. <laughs> but what that is, is when I launched Executives Extension, I saw that so many people were displaced from work due to COVID and were looking for a new career and a new like pathway. And so they were like, oh, are you hiring? Like, can I learn what you're doing? And so I created an e-course for sale it's a really just an e-curriculum because it's 12 courses and it will teach you how to become a virtual assistant. And if you successfully pass, you can apply for a role with executives extension. Where can people find that course? It's virtualvictorias.com and you can um, sign up for the curriculum there and purchase the curriculum. You can also take my free masterclass to kind of get like a scoop into my teaching style to see if this is like a good fit for you. And you can also see, um, like hear a little bit about my story and see if your personality is aligned with this career path for you. Yes. It sounds like entrepreneurialism or becoming an entrepreneur was natural for you. I mean, it sounds like you just flipped the switch and you jumped into it. Have you ever caught yourself thinking uh, over the last year, why didn't I do this before? Um, So 
I might be a little misleading. So I've, I've done entrepreneurship before actually. So back mm. in New Jersey, but it was just never was like legitimate. Like I never legit, legitimately made a business, but I think I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm a self-taught makeup artist. Um, okay. And I used to always have like a whole bunch of girls coming to me and be like, Hey, can you do my makeup? And then through <laughs> word of mouth, like I just kind of blew up. And so I was doing weddings and photo shoots and music videos and, <laughs> um, just, I did New York fashion week and it was pretty successful, but I realized that I wasn't ready to let go of that corporate career. And so I was working my nine to whenever, because I never, like, I never detached. Right. And then on the weekends and evenings, I was doing all these makeup gigs and I had no life. There was no balance. And I realized that even though it's something I enjoy, it wasn't truly my passion. So I didn't real I didn't try to relaunch when I moved here to New Jersey, Man. but that was kind of my first go at entrepreneurship. Um, but it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Well, it's it seems challenging. like it, there were, there were signs all along that that was going to be happening and, and coming back around and, and just so natural, right? You had a skill and there was a need and you met the need and you monetized it, right? right. I know right. that ultimately it's as simple as that. However, there are always some, some startup woes. So being in your first year, I love speaking to people that are at the beginning. One, that was really why we started this podcast. I think about you know Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, the people that we admire in the entrepreneurial world, Mark Cuban. It's nice to hear their stories and hear where they came from, but I really wish I could have heard Mark Cuban working at the bar. I really wish I could have heard Jeff Bezos in the garage, right? What, what did he sound like then? So I like hearing from entrepreneurs like yourself that are going to do massive things, but still in that first year and true strategy, we're in our first year as well. I quit my job and went full-time in June. So around the same time. Um, so yes, congratulations to you. Congratulations to us. Let's do this. Yes, wow. <laughs> Tell me about some of the, uh, some of the guidance that you would give to people in their first year, or maybe even some of the woes that you had to overcome just in your first year already. Yeah. Um, the guidance that I would say, you know, just mentally prepare yourself, you know, tap into whatever higher power that you put your faith in because there's going to be challenges along the way. And it's easy to kind of get stuck in those and feel, um, feel inferior, or just not capable, not able to amount to, but you have to put your faith in something larger than yourself in order to stay focused. And you have to be prepared for long nights and, you know, early mornings. And I was working 16 hour days in order to accomplish what I did for, you know, six months straight. So um, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, what I will say is I actually ended up experiencing some kind of health concerns because I was running my body into the ground. Um, and so if I could do it all again, then I would make time and structure my routine or my schedule to make sure that I had time to work out, make sure I always take my vitamins, drink my water, you know, meditate, pray, um, because those are the, those things are so essential and vital to your well-being in order to be successful. Like you could be working so hard and run your body into the ground and then you don't end up ever achieving what you wanted to do. So prioritizing health is major too. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what is it all worth at the end if, uh, you know, you really can't, can't enjoy it or 
uh, if you have a family, if your spouse despises you or your kids don't want to be around you, right? I mean, what are we really building this for? So there has right. to be a, a more eff efficient and effective way to do it. And yes, the grind, it, it exists. Um, but again, knowing that uh, I, I think the conversation of balance is a, is a common or reoccurring theme in entrepreneurship. And I don't think anyone's really cracked the code, but you just have to find out what works best for you. And of course, true strategy, we coach using the Enneagram, the way that Victoria and Lamar and Keanu are going to find balance are going to look entirely different. But the right. problem is we have people that we look up to that say, this is how you do it. And right. then we say, okay, I'm going to do it like that. And then it doesn't work because that worked for that person's personality doesn't necessarily work for you. You have to be self-aware and knowing well, what is my personality? Like I'm very high capacity. So I take on a lot more, always building and growing something. Lamar is very high capacity as well for the average human being. Targeted high capacity is what I call it. Yes. So <laughs> I don't I just know. take anything. I take a lot, but not just anything. I'll go and, but if I give him a list of things, he's going to crush it. Hey, I'm going to knock that list out. So <laughs> it's figuring out, okay, what does high capacity look like? If I was comparing Lamar to myself, like, yeah, he, he he's not necessarily he's not high capacity if i were to compare him to myself and if he were to compare me to him he would say like this guy's all over the place and i know i'm not right we're just seeing each other through our own lens so right. it's interesting to hear uh from your perspective lamar i, I also like a single word i'm gonna let you jump in oh yeah no i was gonna say i like how that was something that you mentioned in your in your virtual victorious program is like do you have the personality to do this is yeah. this going to be the right thing for you mm -hmm. absolutely one of the key words that I say about um, being a virtual Victoria or even like stepping into a, an administrative support role is that you have to be service oriented. You have to have a heart for service because it's sometimes a thankless job. We are there to support our clients and to make sure that they achieve their goals and that they improve their bottom line on an annual basis. So whatever we do is in support of our client and our client always comes first. If you're a person who is always looking for gratitude and thanks and some type of kudos or, you know, just being recognized for what you're doing, you're not always going to get that because an entrepreneur is so focused on their goals. I mean, it's great if you have a client who is appreciative and, and gives you those words of affirmation or recognition, but it's not to ever be expected. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. This is off topic, but uh, earlier you mentioned how you moved from Jersey to San Diego. And anytime we get someone Here on the East we Coast, go. Like, <laughs> Keanu's always quick to talk about how I need to move to the East Coast and get out of San Diego. So now you, Victoria, please preach to Keanu and let him know why San Diego is where <laughs> it's at. It. I love it. <laughs> Okay, so well, first of all, I have a question for that and an answer. Why do you think he needs to go to the East Coast? Because I'm here. <laughs> oh, okay, there you have it. Mic drop. <laughs> um, honestly, I I love the East Coast for the people. You know, the people are real and they're true, and you know, the superficiality for the most part doesn't exist. And so that, and, and pe when people tell you they're going to do something, they're going to do it, you know, word is bond. That's what we live by over there. So I think that's been my challenge being on the West coast, but West coast is the best coast. I'm sorry. Oh, even got, after all of that, we got, you know, 80 degree weather, we got beaches. I mean, you can be in the snow, you can be in the beach, you could, you can be anywhere, you know, <laughs> 
Yes, I uh, I did not choose uh, to be here in the East Coast. It was definitely a, a God ordained thing. Um, and really, honestly, there was a time this summer, this past summer, that Lamar almost had me talked into moving to San Diego. And uh, we'll see. I told him, I said, "Hey, we we have big goals, and uh, our goals are so big that where we live, it's 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 irrelevant. We're going to be yeah. wherever we want to be when we want to be there. So if I want to go to San Diego for a weekend or a week, we'll do that. Those are our goals. Um, but either way, yeah." Just because I'm here. And honestly, uh, we just have some really great business partnerships and, and connections out here and friends. And so it's kind of become home. But trust me, Victoria, I tell Lamar a lot of garbage about him needing to leave California, but I want to be there. Just don't tell him because <laughs> where, so, where yeah. how are you on the East Coast? What state are you? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. All right. So, Jersey, New York, try to see it's it's a different we're cut from a different cloth. So. I, I, can, I can only imagine. This is the South. I mean, I got, you know, the beach a couple hours away. I got the mountains a couple hours away. I kind of like that. But I'm from the Southwest. I'm from New Mexico. So everything's different. Uh, but I hear your accent when you say coast. Oh, yeah. It comes down certain words. <laughs> okay. Yes. I was like, there's no accent for a Jersey person. I was in the military. And, and people from... And people I'm like... Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. People from, you know, Jersey, New York, Boston... It's like another language. You gotta, you have to listen in to figure out what they're saying. But I don't hear an accent from you, so that's that's interesting. Yeah, I think it really depends on where in Jersey you're located. I'm in Central, so mainly I grew up in Central. So South Jersey has more of like a little country twang to it, and then North Jersey is very close to like New York and just that really strong, thick like accent. And some words it comes out on because I did go to school up north, so like. I don't know. It's just people are always like, you don't sound like you're from Jersey. I'm like, ask me to say coffee. And then you'll hear, you know, I was just going to ask you that because you said, you said strong. And yeah, we, have a friend, <laughs> we have a friend that says, says coffee. And my wife, sometimes she'll be, you know, playing around like, let's go get some coffee. And so I'm like, all right. But well, I think that that's fun to hear that, you know, you went from Jersey to San Diego. I mean, literally, you could not have gone further opposite ends yeah. of the country. And maybe that might give some insight into your Enneagram type. We're going to jump into that here now soon. Why did you go from Jersey to San Diego of all places? Okay, great question. Um, so believe it or not, since I was three years old, a little girl, I have been visiting San Diego because I have extended family here. So my poppy which is technically my great uncle, but he is more of like a grandfather to me because my actual grandfather had passed away two years before I was born. My mom was super close to him. That was, uh, my mom was his favorite niece. And so we would visit here a lot. And then um, I had like a tough up upbringing, like childhood past, you know, like my, I was raised by a single mom till I was 15. She was incredible, amazing woman. And then, you know, she met a really bad man in my 15th year. She was celibate my entire life, literally focused her entire life on me and then just lost herself. And this man was abusive, unfortunately. And so I ended up in foster care. Um, well, shelter first for like two months and then 16, 18, I was in foster care. And then I was adopted three days before I turned 18 by my foster family, but they weren't like the greatest people. So I actually have no communication with them anymore since probably like my junior year of college, I think something like that. And I just always had this intense desire to have family, like to be around family and to feel a sense of belonging. And so 
Facebook came about when I was in college. And it was just this awesome tool to connect with people all over the world. And I was able to reconnect with my family that I had lost touch with when I was in foster care. And I came out to visit them when I was 26 um, for like the first time since I was 10 years old. And it just felt like home. Like it felt so great to be here. And so I was, I was always coming back like two to three times a year was taking trips. And then, um, then I just made the decision to move. My mom actually got really, really sick, my biological mom. And I was trying to mend that relationship with her, you know, do what the Bible says, honor thy mother and father. She, um, had been diagnosed with fatal multiple sclerosis and was bedridden and wheelchair bound and in diapers, like all within four months it happened. And, um, yeah, I was, I was fresh out of like a five-year relationship and I had the decision to either go and get my own place again or help my mom out. So I moved in with her to try to mend and build that relationship again. Um, and here's the kicker. She married the guy who broke our family apart. So I had to go through that, but this man looked me in my eye and told me he is a changed man. He found God. Um, he apologized to me for all the turmoil he caused me and my family. And I, I had to really do some soul searching and dig deep. And I said, if God can forgive, then why can't I? And so I forgave him. But they say also, um, if someone shows you their true colors, believe it the first time. So it wasn't more than like a couple months into that living situation where the same, you know, devil showed his horns. And at 26, he tried to hit me again for the last time. And I was like, I'm out of here. I gave my mom an ultimatum. I said, you either kick him to the curb and I will take care of us. I had a great job in Jersey, making really good money. I was like, or I'm moving, I'm going to California and I'm going to create the family that I always wanted. And she chose him. So I packed up uh, my car, everything that could fit in my car um, as much as I could sold everything else. And I drove 3000 miles across country and started all over again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Thank you for sharing. That was, you know, I was was very interested to find out how you end up so far. Um, But one to visit San Diego, as much as you did, I get why you moved. I visited one time and I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, but also just, you know, the, all of the opportunity and, and really being close to your family. You know, there's always, there always seems to be a connection between people that have gone through very trying times and becoming entrepreneurs or becoming business owners. There's, there always seems to be a connection. I've not met a single person that said, yeah, everything was roses when I grew up. Uh, it was great. And then I said, I'll own a business. So I think it's uh, this conversation that Lamar and I have that's like, yes, some people have tough circumstance. But there's so much gratitude to be found in that, that it made you who you are. What are those connections in, in that story um, that you can draw to being an entrepreneur and being able to face the trials that come with that? Yeah, um, you make a really valid point because when you go through really tough times in your life and you don't really have that support system or you don't have you know, solid relationships or connections, you really have to rely on self. And you really need to um, have a trust within yourself to be successful or change your circumstances. You know, I, I, I didn't, I don't have like mommy and daddy to fall back on if something goes wrong or really anybody. So um, I have to, 
I have to have a strong sense of who I am and a strong sense of determination in order to make my pathway or create my, my destiny or my future. And I've always just been that person. I'm like, I'm not going to let my circumstances define me. I'm not. And for the longest time, I never shared my story. I actually lied. I created so much of a, of a false reality in order to protect who I truly was because I didn't want to be that vulnerable. And I was encouraged to do so by my foster family. I mean, I'm, I'm a white girl. Okay. So I'm Italian. I I'm from my mom. I'm Italian Sicilian from my dad, who I just met a month after I turned 29, I found out I'm Jewish and of Russian, Israeli, and Polish descent. So I'm a mutt, but you know, I'm a white girl, essentially. I grew up in a very like white town, very Caucasian, not diverse. And then I end up in foster care and I move to this town that's all minorities, nothing but Hispanics, Blacks. And my foster mom, who's Puerto Rican, told me, you better not go to school and tell them you're a white girl. As a gringa, they'll beat you up. She told me, you better tell them that you're half Italian, half Puerto Rican. And so I struggled with a lot of identity issues growing up because I told everyone that in that I was in school with that I was half Italian, half Puerto Rican. And that was my real mom. I wasn't adopted. Those were my real sisters, all my foster sisters. We made my mom look like she was a whore because we all look different. And we're like, we all have different dads, but that wasn't an, it was a defense mechanism. And we never wanted to be labeled as a foster child because there's so many stigmas that are attached to that. And then you don't want people to pity you or look down upon you or put certain labels or stereotypes. So it really wasn't until I turned 30. Yeah, that was when I started my blog. I I have a hobby, which is I write a Christian blog geared towards millennial women in my free time. Wow. So that's like a little thing that I have on the side. And I came into my truth because I realized that my God-given purpose is to write and to share my story and the things that I've been through, because there's this quote that I think is at my absolute favorite that I live by that says, you know, I show my scars so you know that you can heal. And that's what I do in my writing. Like I, I share my story and I show these scars because there's so many people that are suffering in silence that think that they're alone but there's so much power in truth and there's so much freedom in sharing and bringing you closer to God. Where can we, where can people find that blog? The glam G L A M B dot wordpress.com. The glam Funny story behind the glam, what that stands for. So remember I told you I used to do makeup and I was like a, that was like my first kind of pitch at entrepreneurship. So my Instagram name was Glam by Victoria. That's what it was, Glam by Victoria. And everyone knew me as like this glam girl, right? But then I had a coworker that one day told me, um, she said that God spoke to her. She's like, she's like a super Christian. <laughs> God spoke to me. He told me that you have a voice and people will listen to you. And she's like, I don't know what that means. She was like, but you know, I needed to tell you that I felt compelled. God put it on my heart to tell you that. So I can totally get uh, where she, where she says that from, because, you know, the conversations that you and I have had in the past, like it's, 
it's it's fun to it's fun to chat and like you have a lot of great things to share and even when you were sharing that quote in your story i caught myself looking at myself and reflecting i'm like dang she's over here speaking to my soul right now so i know that if you're if you're touching my heart right now that there's lots of listeners out there that are also really being impacted right now it's great and especially because Lamar and I love to talk, and this is probably the episode that we've just been we've just been sitting here listening. I, I forget that we're recording because it's just so easy to follow your story. So yes, she was absolutely right. I love that. Thank you so much. I know I talk a lot, but I'm so fire <laughs> right now because I don't get many opportunities to be interviewed from a Christian standpoint, and this is my passion. Oh, yes, well, let's get it! Like we want, we want to bring the kingdom down on our podcast, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> um, so, so I was curious to know, switching gears and thinking about when you were reading through the Enneagram, what were some of the things that stuck out to you? Because you said a lot of it was accurate, a lot of it was hitting, but like, what was what was catching your attention? I think the so the one I scored the highest on was perfectionist, right? Yes. And so when I was reading that, like, it talks about how important it is or talks about like being a perfectionist and like having a feeling like you you can't make any mistakes and like being your own worst critic and like really just just being a perfectionist like people feeling like they have to be at a certain standard in order to like to appease you and it makes sense because what I just said, you know, I only had myself to rely on. And so I've he- always held myself to a really high standard and then it's definitely not intentional, but it's just the way that I felt like I had to be in order to become successful. And it's actually really some, in, in ways negatively impacted my relationships with others. So that was the part where it was like, I think I even emailed you yesterday and I was like, I'm over here sweating. And that, <laughs> that was because I had that moment of realization of like, yeah, like this is what's impacting some of my relationships in a negative light. And wow. it's not that is That is, it's, it's so exciting to hear that. And just to know how it was so quickly impactful in that way, just to get that insight where the Enneagram sets itself apart and where I fell in love with it was because of, and people are probably sick of hearing me say this, I tend to say it, it sets itself apart and it shows you why you do what you do or what's really going on. And too many focus on what you do, but what you do is situational. Why you do it, it's, it's always internal there. So I want to jump over to your results and we're going to do uh, what we call an intro session. It's, okay. It helps you to, to confirm your type uh, because we know a bit about ourselves and you're clearly a very self-aware and mature intelligent person. What I wanted to explain was your results were interesting because you can tell, yes, we have our dominant type and our belief with the Enneagram is that our dominant type, this is how we were created. It's not who we became, it's how we were created. And if God was so intentional that he numbered the hairs on our head, then of course he was intentional in our personality as well. So our growth or our maturity where people say, yes, but I've grown, it comes in understanding how you were created, not in becoming something else. So for you, you scored highest as a type one at 82% and then a type seven, the enthusiast at 80% and then type five, the investigator at 75%. And that's interesting because when you look over here at the Enneagram, the type one, when they're in confidence or health or at their best, they take on characteristics of the seven, the enthusiast. But when they're insecure or unhealthy or stressed, uh, they'll take on some of the characteristics of the four. So we're seeing, okay, that seven, that's high up there because 
that could be the case as far as, you know, why that's so high on your scores. So what I want to do is jump into the one and the seven. And I sent you your results last night. Did you get a chance to look at the seven as well? Yeah, I got the seven. I did, unfortunately, did not have the time to look over it, but I definitely am very enthusiastic. So. <laughs> Clearly, we, we can definitely tell that um, because and then if you're a seven now going over to the five, this is where it's really interesting. The seven, when they're at their best, they take on characteristics of the five. And when they're in an unhealthy or stressed place, they can take on characteristics of the one. So if you do happen to be a seven, then that would explain why all three of these scores were very high because those are different parts of your personality. Right. So the way that we find your type is we lean into these internal drivers. This is really what's going on at our core, what we avoid, what we pursue, what we struggle with the most, and then our fulfillment message. And the fulfillment message, if you're a person of faith, then this is what your faith provides for you. And when you lean into your faith, you understand that, hey, this is already complete. This is already solved for. If you're not a person of faith, ultimately, this is what you're wanting from life. This is what you're hoping to receive, uh, really, and, and, and the knowledge that you're, you're wanting to operate in always. So I'm going to walk through what the type one and seven avoid and pursue. And then I want to hear your feedback on which one resonates with you most. So the one avoids the perfectionist avoids being wrong, bad, evil, irresponsible, or unredeemable. And they pursue having integrity, being good, accurate, and right, maintaining standards and rules as they understand them. The type seven, the enthusiast avoids commitment, being deprived, trapped, facing emotional pain, being limited, bored, or missing out, and they pursue being happy, fully satisfied, content. They seek to get the most from life and every experience. Which one of those sounds more like Victoria? So it's definitely a combo. Like the avoids is spot on with number one and the pursues is spot on as well. But then with the seven out of the avoids, I would say the only thing that's spot on is um, bored or missing out and then pursues is spot on as well. Okay. So I don't avoid commitment. I don't avoid being or um, being trapped or deprived or facing emotional pain. Like I, I'm fully into all that. So that's yeah, because Keanu, what I was thinking is that if a type seven would have a, have a really, really hard time talking through a story like Victoria does, right? That's, that's my thought process, but I would love to hear like your take on that. I think it depends. What was interesting to me was how you explained that you took on an entire persona to not be uh seen in a different light and you had referenced defense mechanisms and in our results we have defense mechanisms for each type and the defense mechanism for a type one is reaction formation so having high standards and principles type ones never want to display emotions that they see as bad or inappropriate when experiencing an inappropriate emotion they'll conceal it and instead bring up the opposite emotion to contradict it this defense mechanism is called reaction formation so that could be at play in the way that you had defended yourself to the world. And well, I want to format the way that people see and perceive me because I don't want them to perceive me as bad because of my past or my history or what have you. But at the same time, the defense mechanism for the seven is similar in rationalization. So sevens will rationalize what's going on in their world. They'll, they'll spin it and make it more, more positive or optimistic so in, in just hearing that, what sounds more like you and Lamar, I think you had something to say as well. Yeah, go, I'll let you go first, Victoria. It's just wild to hear you say that because one of the things you had said in the beginning was, you know, 
well, I've grown. And you said like your personality is there, but as you grow, you like come more into your personality, you understand yourself a bit more. So I think that shows growth right there because that probably is my real personality is that defense mechanism to, you know, cover, conceal it because I didn't want to be viewed that way. But then I rationalized it by saying, well, you've arrived now, you have nothing to be scared of or to be afraid of, like whatever the stereotypes might be that somebody would label you as you've already risen above them. So now Mm -hmm. it's almost safe for you to show these, these scars or these things that would have been portrayed negatively because now you can spin it to show the positivity on it. And, and what that sounds like is then if, if you are a one, then you really have embraced that fullness of your personality that says right is service, right? Is, is again, I show you my scars to let you know that you can heal, right? Like that is, I think that that really does speak, but Lamar, you are a one. So tell me your, your perspective. Yeah. I'm a type, I'm a type one. So, um, yeah. So, so being a type one reaction formation, uh, is I, I try to think of that in like the examples that I've had in my own life. So in my business, we would compare our production and activity to others. And so when someone else did better than me, deep down, like I was like, man, like I know that I'm better than you, but I would probably be the one giving them the most praise and the most um, congratulations. And that was my defense mechanism when really I was jealous and I was envious. So the opposite of that would be to give them praise and joy and excitement. And so if you could, if you're a type one, you could probably think back to a lot of instances where someone or something had given you a, a, an emotion or feeling that you didn't want to have. And then you completely did the opposite to show that like, Hey, like that's, that's not where I want to, that where I want to be. And the type seven, it sounds so similar, but I think what's the main difference is that with the type seven is that it's all about the silver lining of everything. Like, regardless of how awful this situation is, they can at all times, almost to a fault, think about what's the good thing that just came out of it um, to the point where it's almost fake. It's like, there's really no silver lining here. <laughs> like, this is an awful situation and it can be meant for good, but you have to accept that something bad just happened and that's okay. So do you kind of see the differences? They're so tiny, but like that, no, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that helps. The way you described it, I can totally see what you're saying. And that very much defines and describes me. I'm always looking at the silver lining. That was, that's been my entire model this past year with COVID. It was like, I lost my job, my six figure income, you know, and completely had an entire like life just, you know, rolled over. But I'm like, but then look at this, you know, it was the year that I came into entrepreneurship and started my business and I got my puppy and, you know, I had time to sit with myself and really process some emotions and feelings and come closer to God and look at my purpose. And so I always try to flip things to find the positive in them. So you hit that nail on the head. Kiana, what might be cool is, is talking about the path that the seven and the one makes and like talking about like the convergence in the, I will. I'm going to jump into paths. First, I want to finish uh, the internal drivers. So you're not wrong, Lamar, you're good. 
All right. <laughs> See, now he's, he's becoming resentful. Speaking of type ones and resentment, the dominant struggle, what the Enneagram helps us to see is that which is our more dominant struggle, like the thorn in our side, if you will. So we have struggles of all kinds, but the Enneagram shows us a more dominant one. For a type one, it is resentment. So the type one feels it is their responsibility for things to be right. They hold themselves and those around them to high standards. And when they are not met, resentment can build until it surfaces as being critical or judgmental. So type ones won't be out and out aggressive or angry. They'll bottle it up. They'll internalize their anger. And eventually it'll start to seep out as being judgmental or critical because it's bad to be outright angry. So resentment will happen and eventually it'll start to seep out. And people are like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. That was harsh. And, and they don't even realize that they've been bottling it up for so long. And now it's kind of seeping out. And for the seven, the internal struggle, the dominant struggle could not be more different. It's gluttony. So the seven in their pursuit of being fully satisfied, they feel empty inside and seek to fill themselves up to compensate for this feeling of lack. They can develop an insatiable desire to meet their needs, grasping for every experience and opportunity in hopes of not missing out. So the seven believes that, hey, there's more out there and I have to go and get it. Our friend Joy, we had her on the podcast. She's a financial advisor and she moved to San Diego a couple of years ago and she's satisfied now. She's content. She's found that. But before moving to San Diego, it was always like, what's more? What's more? I need more. I need, I need more options. I need a bigger city. I need a, a, you know, to advance in my career. But now she's reached that place where, okay, I, I really do have the options and I'm, I'm more satisfied now. And she's a seven. So resentment and gluttony. Tell us how those resonate with you, Victoria. I'm like choking up right now with the word because it's so wow. on <laughs> Oh, yikes. I definitely have that. I definitely have that. Um, the resentment, I think, shows highest when it comes to relationships, you know, um, romantic interests. You know, I try to be like that pleaser in my relationships. And then, you know, the things that aren't going right or I'm not happy with, like it'll bottle up until it like boils over. And then it's like, where did this come from? You mm. know, and it does come out in judgmental because like, I'm a fixer to like, to my core. Like, I want to just try to like help everyone do everything. And, you know, I can do it better than you, but I want you to think that you can do it. So I'll like make suggestions, but it comes out very judgy. And yeah, <laughs> Lamar's cracking up over wow. there. Cause that's me. So it's but so then, okay, let me ask you this. Do you ever feel like when someone thinks you're coming off judgy, you're like, I could have given you six to 10 more things to work on just now. I only gave you a little portion of what I want to help you with. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> that's so me. And so then with the with the seven and the gluttony, God, that's so on point too. I mean, even even now, like in San Diego, like I love this city, don't get me wrong, but I still feel like there's more out there for me. And I, I've recently been thinking like, is LA or Orange County more my pace? Because at the end of the day, I'm a city girl, you know, I'm from Jersey, like San Diego is beautiful. It's a beach town though. And like people just move a little slower here. There's not as much business opportunities. So I'm just like, I'm always looking for like, what's more, what more can I get? What am I missing out on? Like, you know, one more business opportunities, you know, maybe people in places that are more aligned with my personality that I can surround myself with. Cause you know, at my age, I'm, I'm going to be 33 this year. I I'm still, I'm not married yet. I don't have children, but 
I don't want to be in the party scene like that and just throwing my life away. You know, like I yeah. want to be surrounded with people in places that are aligned spiritually, financially, you know, just motivationally, all these things. And so I've been in this place in my life, you know, in full transparency over these past couple of months where I'm like, is this really it for me? Or is there some place else that I need to be? Yeah. That is so interesting because we're still straddling that line. And, and maybe now the paths, this will help us to understand why that is. Because like I said, the seven and the one, they take on a lot of characteristics of each other. And I think this might help us to finally nail it down. So when, when the internal drivers don't confirm the type, then we move into the paths. So um, actually, the last thing that I need to touch on was that fulfillment message. For the type one, it's knowing you are good knowing that you are made good in Christ. So Lamar is the one he's constantly looking at what's the right thing to do. What's the good thing to do, right? Very, very uh, logical and processing that. And for him, the fulfillment message, knowing you are good, it lets him know that, Hey, I'm made good because of what Christ did. But for the seven, the fulfillment message is knowing you're not missing anything. So that feeling like you're saying, I feel like there's more out there. Well, that may be true. And that's going to drive you. And that's going to lead to a lot more success, but we have to know that we're fully made whole in Christ and that he's not going to let you miss anything because he has a plan and he's not going to let you miss out on a husband. He's not going to let you miss out on a family you're not missing anything in him. So when we start with this fulfillment message, when we treat it like it's been accomplished instead of it has to be accomplished, then that's when we really grow into our fullness and understanding if a one I'm good, I'm made good because of what Jesus did. I am good. Or a seven, I'm not missing anything because I have a good father that loves me and will always provide. Which one of those fulfillment messages specifically speaks more to you? So well, as you were speaking, the thing that's sticking out to me, and this this is showing me something I already knew, but I think just, you know, really driving it home is that they both apply, right? So right. I know that I'm good and I know that God made me good. But at the same time, I feel like I'm missing out on something. And so what I'm not doing is I'm trying to control the situation because I'm a control freak and I'm trying to force certain things to happen in my life because I've been able to drive so many of my successes that way by taking control. So what I'm not doing is I'm not putting enough faith in God to ensure that these things are going to happen for me. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's not happening because he wants me to trust him in order to know that these are going to happen. I'm not fully placing my faith in him, even though God is the center of my world and everything I do, I try to, I do to please him. I still haven't been able to let go of that. So it's, it's taking control and, and saying like, I, I, I have to go and get it because if not, I'm not going to get it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I think we're, 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 we might be leaning a little bit more towards the seven now, but again, only you can confirm your type because you know it speaks to you at your core. Uh, it is helpful to understand the uh, childhood interpretation of the type seven. I think this might shed a little bit of light as well. It's not okay to depend on others for anything. So the seven as a child, the childhood interpretation tells us that from a young age, this is how we interpret the world. So the seven sees it's not okay to depend on others for anything. I, I have to be responsible and go get it or else I won't be taken care of. Whereas the one it's, it's a little bit different. It's, it's more along the lines of rules where it says it's not okay to be wrong or make mistakes. So one is about keeping yourself in check and one is about going and getting stuff, right? So very, very different. And what I heard you say a moment ago was that like, 
it's hard for me to depend on God, but that's okay because following Christ, that's a day-to-day process, a moment-to-moment process as an entrepreneur, right? It's like, I'm really good this hour, but the next hour I I might have to get on my knees again because this is tough. So these paths here, these show us how these are interacting with each other. So the seven takes on characteristics of the one in their insecurity path or their leverage path. And basically what's that, what that means is that at your default, your weaknesses will be that of the type one. So when a seven is unhealthy or stressed or insecure, they restrict and limit themselves to achieve goals, become more critical and judgmental of yourself and others, critical and angry towards others who place limitations on you, identify flaws and move away from them. So that's the default unhealthy side or insecure side of a seven but they can leverage those strengths. That's why we call this the leverage path. You can leverage those weaknesses as strengths as well. So you pull on some strengths from the one also. And what that looks like is begin to accept life and its flaws while focusing on a greater purpose, identify and focus on priorities without procrastinating or avoiding, take ownership of your emotions and seek to understand them and become more responsible. How is this hitting you here? It applies. I'm, I'm literally both. That's why it's so crazy because in my results, like I think it was what 5% off with each one of them, like 2% or 2%. It's even, they both apply. Like I do, I do all of these things. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that stuck out to me was, um, can we go back to the childhood part? Mm -hmm. Each of them? Yes. Okay. So type seven, where it says it's not okay to depend on others for anything. I learned that from a very young age. Um, but then we're on type one, where it says it's not okay to be wrong or make mistakes. I think I started to evolve into that in foster care because I went from being the only child to now being the oldest of, of six. And anytime any of my foster sisters did anything wrong, I got in trouble and I never wanted to be in trouble because I'm a perfectionist. I always wanted to be doing the right thing. And so that's where that really started to develop in my personality, where I always felt responsible for other people's mistakes. That's interesting. So I think there's something there. These ones that I was reading to you before, this is all seven, all of this, right? This is all one. So it's kind of the opposite. The seven takes on the insecurity path and the leverage path of the one, but the one takes on the confidence path and the familiar path of the seven. So it's the exact opposite. The one naturally at their best takes on seven. The seven naturally at their stressed takes on the one. So the one, when they're in confidence, more accepting of the world and its flaws, joyful, energetic, and enthusiastic offer advice without feeling responsible for others' actions. So Lamar, when he's at his best, he'll say, hey, I'm supporting you in this. I see what can be improved, but I'm not going to be mad if you don't fix it. That's on you. And then the the familiar path, this is how you act around those closest to you. So like a blind spot, right? Your family and closest friends become more focused on your needs and desires, tend to be forgetful and scattered, become more carefree and childlike. So when we look at these and we look at these, I know it's close, but which one sounds a little bit more like Victoria? Well, are we looking at different things, the insecurity path and leverage versus the confidence and familiar? Yes, because this is the seven. Uh-huh. And this is the, and the reason I'm emphasizing these is the seven and the one, because right now we're, we're battling between is a seven or are you a one? So they are different paths, 
defined as one over the other because I feel like I'm both. <laughs> so you have a dominant type. It, one of them, because for me, I had the same struggle in eight and seven because eight and seven are so, so similar. But there's one that's going to be at your core who you are and who you've been throughout your life. But what makes this hard is you're connected to both types very, very clearly. The differences is, are just here. The seven takes on the one in insecurity and leverage. The one takes on the seven in familiar and confidence. So it's just kind of flipped. Does that make sense? Yeah. I need to like read through it again. So the confidence for the seven is gain clarity and become more focused. Seek knowledge to find your best path forward. Your typical mind. You, you typically quick minds. Okay. Become more committed and dedicated. I feel like I might be more type seven. Why is that? Because. I'm not as rigid. Like I have the flexibility to like expand and contract. Like in, in my, I feel like in a type one is like very set in their ways, can't deviate from the path, like just very rigid. And I have that to me, but I'm also kind of like a rubber band and like, I'll like expand and and contract. And on top of that, like I'll adapt to any situation that I'm put in and make the best of it. Right. Wow. Such a great, great explanation. Yeah. And so if you're, that was really good. We actually have to start using that. <laughs> um, with the, with the type one, it's like, you have to under certain circumstances, consciously think about not being rigid, right? Like that's where, that's where it comes from me being a type one. Is that like, it's not like, Hey, sometimes I can be rigid. It's like, no, I'm always rigid. And I have to consciously think about like, am I being rigid right now? Right. Where the type seven is, you know what, for the most part, I'm pretty, I'm pretty relaxed. I'm about having experience, I'm about having fun. I'm driven, I'm goal oriented. And then every now and then you'll catch me and I will be locked in, in my rigid moments. Like, no, this is how it should be done. This is how we're going to lock it in. This is where, where it's going to be. The difference is the type one, I live in that area, right? I'm, I'm always in that space and I have to consciously think about not that's, that's really great because, and, and the other side of that is the seven will learn to leverage yeah. that rigidity that, okay. For example, I think it's a great example. There's a need, there's something to be improved where the seven's taken on that characteristics of the one in virtual Victoria, mm-hmm. right? I can do something to, I can bring some structure to this and mm-hmm. do that and have all of these different opportunities spooling up at once, because again, more right? There's more to me. There's more to be achieved. And so I can see how the seven, just in the way that you've explained things and the way that you've navigated them and and just really the entrepreneur that you are as an eight, I'll, I'll set, I'll set my pride aside. Sevens have been all in all more consistently, some of the best entrepreneurs and business owners I've encountered, not to say we all can't be, but it's just natural because the seven I'm going to, and, and you, I sent you the results for the seven. So dig into that a little bit more, After, yeah. the seven taking on characteristics from the one and the five. And now we're going back to your results. You scored one, seven, five, all three of those are your, your, the paths, the seven takes on one and five. Well, the seven is very, very energetic, fun, loving, excitable, like life of the party but their paths being the one and the five are very systematic and intelligent and more focused and dialed in. So you're pulling on characteristics of those that say, all right, this is, you have all this fun and this energy, but it can be applied in a very specific and impactful way. So that's where I think sevens have the leg up on entrepreneurship. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And even in the moments where I'm kind of rigid, it's because I'm a planner. 
So I'll like plan something out. And if something doesn't go as according to plan, that's what kind of triggers me because I'm so like structured in that mm. way. But I, I've like, I, I like, I commonly refer to myself as like a butterfly in the sense where it's like you're a cocoon and then like you emerge or evolve in each like situation that you're placed in. Like you're going to become the best version of yourself no matter where you're at. So like being in three different high schools, you know, being in two different states, like moving across country, like I've always kind of emerged into what I need to be no matter where I'm at. That, uh, that, that's uh, rationalization or that, again, that silver lining, that, that positivity, some, uh, Enneagram tests call the seven, the, uh, optimist. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's just natural. Definitely the enthusiast, the optimist. So I think we found your type and it's so fun. I love that because I wear contacts. So I always, um, correlate this to like going and see the eye doctor where it's like a, B, a, B. And towards the end, it's like, both, but they're like, no, you have to pick one. That's kind of like what we did now where it's like, yes, but we're getting very, very fine tuned now in the way you see. And that's when it's like, all right, seven. Thank you for uh, one being on our podcast. I, I always get so uh, connected to our guests that I forget like, oh yeah, we're going to publish this later. Um, but I think it's helpful for people because this is what we do. We do this intro session for people to confirm their type and get that insight before we ever dive into coaching. So what was your experience like? And what would you share with the listeners on them possibly walking through this? I, it was awesome. Like I came into this, like I said, sweating. And then this is, this is no dig at you at all anymore, but like, I'm kind of thrilled and like relieved. I'm, I'm more a seven. I just, you know, sometimes like, and maybe this is a little bit of the one in me where it's like, that's the one thing that I didn't want to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, it's um, the- but I have, I have both sides of me, you know, I have, I have those aspects. So there's a lot of commonalities between our, our personalities, but at the end of the day, um, it gave me more of an understanding that the, any is the Enneagram, that's how you say it. Enneagram. Yes. It gave me more of an understanding to how I'm made up, how God divinely made me and to just be more accepting of all of my traits. And when you're aware of who you are and how you work, you can better, hone in on, on those aspects of your personality and translate them into positive, um, outputs. And so some of the things that I know I've known to be true about myself that I've kind of looked down, um, like negatively on, I can now look at those and see how I can use them positively. And I mean, what is that? What did I just say right there? I am definitely a seven. I'm (laughs) right. Right. You're going to start catching your optimistic life. Yes. You're going to now start catching yourself throughout the day. Like I do that all the time. Thanks, Keanu. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, because when you bring it into your, into your, you know, it's called your reticular activator, but when you bring things into the forefront, right? When you, when you bought the car that you have now, you started seeing it everywhere in the same way with our coaching and what we do with the Enneagram, we're bringing this stuff to the forefront. It's not anything you didn't know or experience before. It just gives you a framework finally to say, this is why right now I get it. And then you start to see it everywhere and you start to leverage it and continue to grow. And, and that's the beauty of it. I want to say two things to what you said first, uh, not wanting to be a one. I think that again, it speaks to your being a seven, because when you see those tendencies, you know, that those are probably more closely associated with 
decide I don't like as much of myself, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because the seven takes on those unhealthy characteristics of the one. And then the other thing we are, our vision, what we believe is accelerate relationships, accelerate results. So you just accelerated your relationship with yourself. You now understand more so how you operate and that's going to accelerate the results. And then we do this outward as well with teams and businesses where they accelerate relationship with each other. The three of us are best friends now. I, I hope that you're okay with that. Yeah, no, it, it is what- <laughs> I need more like-minded individuals around me. So I'm with it. <laughs> we, uh, we just accelerated our relationship because we know each other so much more in depth now, which then accelerates any result, any work we ever want to do together, true strategy and executives extension, anything that we ever do moving forward. It's like, we know each other now. So I love when, when that kind of just naturally comes forward. So thank you for your story. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for the example that you are. Thank you for showing your scars. So people know that they can heal because man, that there needs to be more people like that today that say, Hey, it's okay to not be okay, but it's going to be okay. I think we just found a podcast title. <laughs> what, what's yes. that? Yes. <laughs> show your I scars. Show scars so you know I, you can heal. I show my scars so you can heal. See, I was going to name it. Victoria's glad she's not a one. <laughs> but <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anytime Keanu can shoot, can, t- can take a shot at I me. Adorable. That's so cool. Hey, I'm so I feel like this is something everybody should do. So how can I like refer people to you guys to have the same experience and get a better understanding of themselves? Yes, that's a great question. I'll tell you and the listeners, you can find this assessment, assessment.truestrategy.info, or you can visit our website, truestrategy.info, and you would find it there. You can purchase the assessment, find your type. If you want to dive in deeper for yourself personally or for your team, email us, info at truestrategy.info, and we'll begin working with you. We'll schedule a session like this or with your team. Uh, We do public speaking, workshops, team development, private coaching, and you can engage with us depending on your needs. We'll accelerate relationships and accelerate results for you. Victoria, let the people know I didn't tell you to say that. <laughs> no, you really didn't. I'm, just, I'm so blown away by this session that I'm like, I need more. I want to get more. I need to dive more into it. And I want to share this with everybody. So I just think it's so valuable. Love that. Well, off podcast line, we should definitely, the three of us, uh, reconnect and just get back together uh, talk more about what that looks like because we really want to spread this message so Absolutely. so badly so Absolutely. Yeah. i'm on board with that okay yeah we'll before, definitely get that coordinated yes before we let you go let the people know where they can find you where they can engage with you and what you do so if you are a potential client if you are in need of executive assistance and you know growing your bottom line you can find us at executiveextension.com so that's Floral executive singular extension, but executiveextension.com. And you can find all of our social media on the website and all the ways to contact us. If you are in the market for a new career set, um, new career path, and you want to learn how to become a virtual assistant and find out if that's for you, you can find us at virtualvictorious.com, victorious as floral. And um, if you are in the market to learning how to heal your scars, you can find my blog at uh, theglam.wordpress.com and that's G-L-A-M-B. There is a silent D at the end. And if you read the first blog post, you will know where that is. 
but people have to go check that out. Thank you again, Victoria. This has been awesome. I've loved getting to know you and I look forward to what comes next. Thank you everybody for joining us. This has been More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. Thank you.